Hello and welcome to Ashley Asty Live. I am, you guessed it, <laughs> Ashley Asty. So today we're talking about what it feels like to be truly seen and the experience of seeing beyond the physical in someone else and into their soul. So if you've been following this podcast, you may know that I am in the process of taking a training to become a yoga teacher. And this has blessed me in so many ways. And while I've learned so much on my yoga mat, it has grown me tremendously off my yoga mat and who I am and how I live my life. And one of those experiences just came last night. So halfway through class, we were asked to turn to the person sitting next to us. And so I happen to be sitting next to my friend Rita, who has been a client of mine for years, and we actually had no idea that we had both signed up for this training. And so it's been really nice to connect with her on a more personal level. And we didn't know what we were going to do, but we were like, oh, we were so happy to be partnered with each other. And it turns out that we were asked to stare into each other's eyes without looking away for three minutes. Now, ordinarily, this is probably something that would freak me out a little bit, um, especially if I didn't know the person, because it requires a level of exposure and intimacy. And what I noticed during this experience, the three minutes, was how in the intensity I got more excited about it, that the level of intensity and depth that's created by staring into someone else's eyes is exactly what I've been craving, this beautiful and true connection. And the thing that I noticed, and you know, we were in the room with everyone else, and so at first there's lots of giggling and laughter as people settle into the experience of looking into someone else's eyes without looking away. But after we kind of settled down and all of us stopped laughing, I things started shifting. And what I saw in Rita was something that I knew was there but hadn't seen on such a deep level before. And in her eyes, I saw tremendous beauty. And it wasn't just a physical beauty. It was the beauty of her soul. I saw her compassion and her kindness. And she is truly a compassionate and kind person. But last night, I not only knew this, I felt it from her being. And so after the three minutes were up and we were asked if we wanted to share about what we experienced, I talked about feeling so enamored by the depth and the connection and seeing beyond the physical. And so this morning, Rita and I were texting each other and um, I was, you know, teasing her like, you know, thank you for letting me stare into your eyes last night. But after we sort of joked about it, like we had a romantic experience, um, we, we shared more of what we felt. And, and I told her what I saw in her eyes and the compassion and the beauty. And she said that my eyes felt warm and inviting. And we both texted each other, I see you. She said it to me and I said it to her. And we both said that we love each other. And the experience of being seen is such a profound experience. I feel like being seen for who you truly are feels like 
divine love. It's what it's like to be loved, not just in a romantic way, but in, in a soul-to-soul, pure consciousness way. When there's nothing physical clouding us, no definitions needed, our stories are not even there. When you look into someone else's eyes and you allow yourself to really see, the story of who they are disappears because that's not real. And what comes alive is the sacred essence within that exists within all of us. I've made uh, another friend more recently, and as he and I started connecting and recognizing all the beauty that we share, uh, there was also this experience for me of being seen. And so what I love and I'm grateful for about him is that he'll text me and say, I see you. And I'll tell him the same thing. I see you too. And uh, I sent him this song that I love. And oh gosh, I don't even know the name of it. But um, the lyrics are something like, I'm fully known and loved by you. And how he sings that like that requires ridiculous grace on his partner's part in order to see him in all that he is, good, bad, everything in between, and still to love him. I think we, or maybe I should say I, can forget how transformative it is to acknowledge someone else exactly as they are, not try to ask them to be or do anything else. Because the truth is we are here not to do something, but to be, to be love, to live out our purpose simply by being who we are. It's so easy to put on a mask and try to be what we think someone else or society expects of us. So the greatest gift often we can give someone else is this space to allow them to be who they are and to figure it out and to take that journey and not to judge them and to recognize that there's room for them to change and to always go and grow deeper. I uh, want to read you, uh, it's the footnote to Howl, which is a poem by Allen Ginsberg. Um, I know I'm <laughs> former English major. I've got to work poetry into everything. Um, but I promise it's worth it. So uh, I don't believe in editing a, write, a, a writer's work. However, for the sake of this podcast, because I don't know who might be listening, I'm going to edit out a few of the profane words <laughs> that Allen Ginsberg uses, but I encourage you to go look up his poem online and figure them out yourself if you'd really like to. Okay, so it goes. Holy, 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 holy. The world is holy. The soul is holy. The skin is holy. The nose is holy. The tongue and hand and a few other things that I'm not going to repeat are holy. Everything is holy. Everybody's holy. Everywhere is holy. Every day is an eternity. Every man's an angel. Holy the sea, holy the desert, holy the railroad, holy the locomotive, holy the visions, holy the hallucinations, holy the miracles, holy the eyeball, holy the abyss. I came across this recently in um, Sean Korn's book, Revolution to the Soul, and she puts it as her introduction. And, and that was just only a part of it that I, I read of Allen Ginsberg's Howells, and I skipped around a little bit. Um, 
I feel drawn to that and I feel drawn to bringing that into this conversation because I think what happens when we feel seen so fully is that it is an acknowledgement of the holiness that exists everywhere. And so everyone who comes into our life is a teacher. And sometimes we have to put aside the story or our judgments or what we think that they are and see that there's holiness within. And I'm going to come back to this and explain it a little bit more in just a moment. One of the things that I have experienced, particularly when I was younger, but I'm still susceptible to it, is that when I feel that someone sees me, exactly as I am, and exposes the truth of me, it is such an intoxicating feeling. It's an acknowledgement. And it's like a big hug, <laughs> without the actual hug, of, of letting you know that it's okay to let down your guard and be loved for who you are. And so there are moments when I've experienced this soul seeing from men and in that space of looking into each other's eyes or being seen in in all ways it feels like we linger in stillness and there's a deep not only connection but communing that happens like we energetically merge and become one and so sometimes in the past, I've had this tendency to conflate that with romantic love, to think, oh, this feels like a soulmate. And what ends up coming up from that is desire, that I want the person. And the hardest part, the heartbreak comes when this person enters my life and they stir my soul and they move me and they change my life in that way because they bring truth to me. I start seeing who I am more fully by allowing myself to be that naked. But then not everyone is meant to stay in our lives. There are expiration dates sometimes for people being that intimately in our lives. And so sometimes these men or these people have walked away or I've had to leave or whatever it might be. And the hardest part, the pain, comes from having to release something so powerful. I remember the first time this happened to me that I truly fell in love because I felt seen and acknowledged. And when that connection finally ended and we had to walk different paths in different directions I was devastated because I thought I had found it you know the love that everyone is seeking their whole lives this beautiful fullness I thought I had found it and then having to give it up felt devastating and unfair and for a long time, I thought I was just sad that I felt empty and lost and like the 
trajectory of my life had shifted and who I was and what I thought was going to be and what I thought was possible and what I thought love was had changed. And it took me a while to realize that not only was I mourning what I had pictured for my life, but I was angry. I thought this was unfair. I was angry that I could have something so good and it could be taken away. That's what I felt like I was a victim, like something had been taken from me. I was talking to a friend about this experience recently and he just texted back, no more seeking, only love I'm keeping. And that hit me because in that moment, I realized that what I had been doing was coveting love. So in these instances, in this case with men that I was partners with or wanted to be partners with, and when things would end or not work out or not go the way I wanted them to, I would not only feel devastated, but I would try to cling so tightly to the gifts that I had received and in effect to them. I... I didn't want to lose something that had been so transformative to me. I had a hard time being okay with that being a phase in my life and passing and letting go. And so I feel like I would energetically cling and create tension around it, trying to keep something. And not only does that not keep something, <laughs> um, it creates more heartbreak. It creates more pain. It is a form of fighting what is, as if telling the universe, existence, God, whatever you want to call it, that what is happening and unfolding right now is not what should be. And that's exhausting. It's exhausting to fight truth. What I've come to learn is that soulmates or twin flames connect deeply to our souls. So maybe there are people that you just click with instantly, or even if it's not instant, when you finally do click, you just know, and you share a lot of the same qualities and traits and beliefs in life. But these people are not only or not necessarily just there to share love with you, and they might not even be there to be romantic partners. In fact, what a soulmate or a twin flame is there to do is to bring you closer to truth, to expose the nature of who you truly are and the lessons that you are here to learn. And being exposed to truth is not easy. It can be painful and challenging and it can feel dark until we recognize that there are fruits in the darkness, the fruitful darkness. And so I feel like essentially what my friend was saying was that it is our responsibility and calling to see everyone who enters our life as a teacher. And sometimes these people can test you and push you and they might not seem like love at first or like a teacher. They can come in a way that feels very off-putting and negative. So these are not necessarily twin flames or soulmates. This is might be someone you get in an argument with or someone that pisses you off. <laughs> um, but they're there to grow you. And so when we have an experience of this divine sacred love of souls seeing each other 
or of another soul growing yours. It is our duty to celebrate that and have a sense of gratitude for it and to recognize that we don't get to control how long it lasts or whether it lasts or stays in our life. If something is meant to be, it'll be. And so our lesson is to practice allowing life to unfold without trying to control it. I was, I guess, reading or listening to a podcast, I don't even remember, the other day, and it was talking about breath in yoga class because that's, that's essentially, yoga is not yoga without the breath. Otherwise, it's just sort of like, I don't know, aerobics, or whatever. So the breath is integral to yoga. And I heard it cued on this podcast in a way that I hadn't heard before, which was, let your breath breathe you. Because when I breathe in yoga, I'm, also, I'm often trying to control it or force it, and, and, and there's a place for that. But sometimes you get to a space where you have to surrender and allow the breath to come in and move you and to exit and take with it whatever no longer serves you. And I feel like that's the lesson with soulmates and twin flames, that sometimes they're meant to stay and be a lifetime partner, a romantic partner. But sometimes they're there to enter your life and grow you and show you truth and wisdom and allow you to become more self-aware and then it's time for them to move on and for something else to come into your life and into theirs. Again, I've been thinking a lot about yoga because that's the training that I'm going through right now. And I am so appreciative of the physical practice, asana, of getting on my mat and sweating and releasing and moving and discovering my strength. What I'm finding, though, as a teacher is what I'm drawn most to is the whole other side or partner side of yoga, which is the self-reflection, the self-study. And that for me, the ultimate goal of yoga is not to be able to twist yourself into crazy postures, even though that's fun and I like trying that too. It's to see who you truly are. It's to come to know your soul in stillness. Because that's why we do yoga. It was developed so that our bodies can develop <laughs> a, a level of, of comfort, enough comfort that they can sit still for long periods of time to meditate and merge with God. So that's why physical yoga was invented, so that you can sit still and connect to your soul and God that is within you. I was asking the question the other day of my spiritual teacher of how do I do something? I was talking about surrender. How do I surrender? How do I feel it in my body? And I said to him, I don't think it's something it's about doing. I don't think the experience of surrender is something that I have to do. And if I'm trying to do something, I'm not in surrender. That only it, that almost it's something spontaneous, a letting go that I know viscerally through my body and through my heart. In other words, I think we create change in our lives 
simply by bringing awareness to it. So how was I going to surrender? By bringing my awareness to the fact that I'm ready to surrender and to everything else that was coming up for me that needed to be surrendered. That's how we activate change, not by doing, but becoming aware. I feel like that's the key to everything. And so when we meet with someone who sees our soul, they mirror back to us who we are. And in that, they allow us to bring awareness to ourselves so that we can deepen our journey and deepen our experience and live the purpose we were put here to live because we all have a destiny. And we can't live it when we're not in awareness of who we are, when we're not living from the place of our center, of our heart, of our authenticity. Alice Walker is another one of my favorite writers. And in one of her books, she uses the word co-conspire, a co-conspirator. And she says it means to breathe together. And I've always remembered that because I think it's such a beautiful way to consider partnership and soul friendship and just our collective. Because it's not just one-on-one that we must merge and see each other. It's as a community, local and global, as human beings and all beings, we must breathe together. And that means not fighting each other, but developing an understanding of each one of us, even if we're different. An understanding in which we can see who the person is beyond their story and therefore live in peace with them. And so this is necessary not only for our own personal liberation, our own personal experience of the divine, our own personal experience of stillness and peace and harmony. It is absolutely necessary for our collective liberation. We depend on this. As some of you may know, um, I've done work, a lot of work with people who are in prison across the country and One of my books called I Have Waited For You is a collection of correspondence between me and 12 people across the country who, at least at the time, were incarcerated. And the experience for me of connecting with these people and writing that book and sharing it was so profound because I started by just wanting them to be seen and 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 heard and it became a soul seeing that was mutual that went in both directions and i what's i i planned on just sending each of them a questionnaire and asking you know 15 questions and getting that back and that would be it and instead what happened was with each of these people that i sent the questionnaire to i ended up developing pen pal relationships with and many of those continue on to this day you know a year and a half later and these relationships have changed me and they changed the story that I ended up telling in the book because what I realized was that in order to change what I believe is an unjust justice system that is 
not blind like we say she is. Not blind to race and poverty and, and all of those things. That in order to change it, yes, we need people who are advocating for real reform. But we also need to see from a different place. And we need to see that the people we're locking up are not so different from ourselves. And we need to see them not just as the worst things that they ever did and not as the stories that we've labeled them as, as as criminals and convicts and offenders, but as human beings. And this is not to say that the people they have hurt have to forgive them or welcome them back into their lives, but as me, as someone who on the outside can come and experience who they are and show that to others because it is an epidemic of what's happening in our criminal justice system and in our prisons. We are locking up far too many of our brothers and sisters and neighbors and teachers, our children. But by me hearing their stories and not just their stories of what they did because many of them I never asked and I don't know, but having conversations about what they love and the foods they like to eat and the TV shows they watch and just being an actual friend made me see what happens in prison and who's in prison in a whole new light. And it allowed me to exist more peaceably with those who are incarcerated. And in that way has created for me a little bit more peace on my earth and hopefully for others who read the book or are involved in social justice causes of their own, a sense of peace and what true justice looks like and what love, capital L, actually is. My point is, is that it is powerful to see and be seen and that when you, when you see someone else, they see you back. That's the blessing of it. That, And it happened with me, with the friends I have that are in prison, that by asking them with love to put down their mask, I thought I would just see them. But in the process, I had to put down my mask with them. And I had to expose myself and be vulnerable too. And they saw me. And it was an absolute blessing and continues to be. Our mission on earth is to love, or is simply love. At the end of the day, everything that we do, when we peel back all the layers and strip it back, it comes back to love. Our connections with each other and our companion creatures, the animals and our earth, it's all about cultivating more love and our relationships to ourselves. It's about love. And that's the essence of seeing from the soul. It's seeing with love. It's seeing with purity. It's seeing with honor. Honoring who you are and honoring the divine light in everyone else. I encourage you to let love in and allow yourself to be love because you are deserving of it. And to let love flow through your life and unfold in its own way, in its imperfections. Let love enter 
in one form, and when you think it's leaving and the door is closing behind you, know that it is flowing in in another way because love never leaves you. That's the truth. You're never alone. You're never not supported. You're never not loved. It's just in our human experience and our human existence, we're trying to understand love and see it in a certain way. But it's always there. Sometimes it's just a little harder to find it. Sometimes we have to see it not with our physical eyes, but, but with, our, with our hearts and our mind's eye, with our deeper self. May you go out into the world today and every day and experience love within yourself and with every being that you come in contact with. I send you all my love and I look forward to talking with you next week.